Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards, and as always, we're here to look at everything happening in the women's football world. From the Champions League down to the National League, and it was a big day for women's football, both domestically and across Europe. Joining me, I have got from Rensensia Publication in Portugal, it is uh, Ineish Champau. Hello, Ineish. Hi there. Hello. I said it right, didn't I? Yes. Sort of, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, excellent. Inesh was Thanks. perfect. Inesh was perfect. There Don't we worry. go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. There we go. Uh, making your debut on the podcast today. So uh, it's great. We'll be chatting to you as well later on about the NWSL. And also Portugal's chances after they were parachuted into the Euros later on. So we'll hear all about that. But there's only one place to start. It's in Turin, it was the Champions League final and a bit of a surprise here, really. A lot of people made Barcelona favourites, mainly for their dominant form this season. He'd only lost one game across all competitions and that was a second leg against Wolfsburg in the semi-final. But Leon caused a surprise. They came out the traps really, really quick. They'd actually beaten Barcelona back in 2019. Barcelona won the competition last season. And Lucy Ward, who was summarising on Dezern, made a really good point that Leon plays a pre-match that all, the, that all they'd heard about was how good Barcelona were. And that, and that seemed to inspire them. And they blew Barcelona away in that first half an hour. And what a goal by Henri as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, you said it right. They played like, uh, you know, they had a goal, well, of course they have a goal, they all have a goal, they all want to win, but, you know, we talked so much about Barcelona that uh, it's kind of like Lyon was was pushed to the fringes, so I think they really wanted to, it felt like they had a point to make, you know, they're the several times champions of the Champions League, so it's like, you can't press them aside, uh, just like that, you can brush them aside, uh, like you know, like they haven't won that trophy so many times, and uh, they really proved that they toyed with Barcelona in the first half, and that Amandine Henri goal was spectacular. Mm. I'm, I was speechless when I when I watched it, but yeah, I mean, they um, they really uh, molded their game plan around the strengths that Barcelona had. Whereas Barcelona is more of a team that, you know, plays the same way, you know, game to game, regardless of the the opponent. Of course, it's not as simple as that because there's always a tweak or two, but they always have the same style. Whereas, you know, with Lyon, they really played to Barcelona's weakness and strengths and um, they were they were the superior team. So they they deserve the win. Yeah, it was uh, Barcelona just seemed to be knocked off their stride. They were they were really caught cold. That spectacular goal. I mean, it's probably the goal of the season in this season's Champions League, league, maybe in the whole of the competition ever. I mean, what a goal to sort of end the season, the non-international club scene with this season. And um, yeah, Leon, it was it was a funny one. I don't. I think going into that game, like we said, nobody expected. Leon to win. Uh, they, they've not actually wrapped up the French title as yet either after not winning it last season. It was a bad season for them. So they, they've really bounced back this season, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, Sonny Bompastor has, uh, I, I don't even know why I'm saying Bompastor 
not in a Portuguese way because he is of Portuguese heritage, uh, which is also why I was, you know, sort of rooting for her because, you know, gotta stick with the people, you know. <laughs> but um, she she's really managed to wake uh, Lyon back up in a way to, because they had such a bad year last year. They also didn't have Hegerberg. Henri made probably like the worst season of her brilliant, brilliant, brilliant career. Marojan wasn't also as good as, you know, as she can be because she's one of the best midfielders in the last decade, if not the best, uh, one of the best midfielders ever. So Sonia von Pastor has managed to, you know, to gather all that talent around with, you know, the additions of Endler, for example, and uh, Lindsay Horan, uh, Horan. And so, yeah, she's really managed to build that team and to make them believe that they are the best again. And they've made a point of that, you know, the interviews leading up to the final, they were like, okay, everyone's talking about Barcelona, but women's football did not well, it existed before Barcelona. It, it wasn't created by Barcelona. So, yeah, like I said before, it was like they had a point to make and, and they made it in spectacular fashion. Good to see uh, Ada Hedeberg back as well. I mean, she made such a difference, didn't she, for Leon? Certainly from the semi-final stage onwards. Yeah, uh, she's a fantastic player. I mean, she's so young. She's only uh, 25, 26, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, she's younger than Alexia Putellas. So, <laughs> and Alexia Putellas almost feels like a newcomer. And Hegerberg has been here forever. And she's still so young because she's just, she's one of those uh, generational talents. Uh, and for real, you know, it, it's not just a young player we call a generational talent. No, she's made a difference since she was a teenager. And having Hegerberg back, not just for her quality, but also everything she represents, because you could tell, you know, there's some players that really, well, scare the other team in a way, you know, that the other team is a bit more uh, careful or a bit more fearful of a certain player. And Hegerberg, for her status and the quality she has, the numbers she's, you know, she's racked up along the years, she really is that player for Lyon. Uh, she, she's a key player, she's, you know, she's a star. And uh, just like Lyon, we're super careful with the likes of Alexia and Caroline Grime Hansen. Uh, Barcelona were extra, you know, uh, cautious around Hegerberg and that makes an impact as well. Yeah, they were quite careless at times, Barcelona, as I say, they've, they've had a fantastic season and, probably it'd be harsh to say they got overconfident because they knew it was going to be a tough game, but does this still show that maybe they've still got a little way to go, even though they've been dominant in domestic and most of the European games this year? Yeah. I mean, uh, the truth is they hadn't had a challenge, you know, ever since they lost the final to Lyon, the last one, they hadn't had a challenge like Lyon um yet because you know last year Lyon was worse and then you know it was definitely their worst year in a while and um so they had they lost to PSG who then lost to Barcelona but you could feel that it wasn't 
the Lyon that we are used to. So I think Barcelona hadn't yet found a rival as, um, you know, as strong as, you know, with this magnitude, because this is, this is a team that has won eight Champions League titles. It's a lot. And they have an experience that Barcelona don't yet have and that no other team has in the world, you know, in, in the women's football world. So the, Barcelona have, yeah, a ways to go, mostly in terms of being used to these stages and uh, being used to games not going their way right from the beginning or in the middle because they're so used to putting their their opponents to sleep in a way uh, and everything always going their way that having to to you know turn around a result having to come from behind it's something they're definitely not used to at least and, and not in front of their crowd which is also important because um against Real Madrid they had to turn it around but it was one of the legs was was in the camp no and it's different you know when it's a team from your country so yeah they have to build on that experience but I think this is a rivalry for years to come because these two seem to be the strongest teams in Europe you know nowadays yeah, it was good to see as well a near full crowd in the Allianz Stadium in Turin as well, wasn't it? Um, mainly dominated by Barcelona fans, but uh, it showed that it's growing. I mean, you look at the semi-finals, the attendance is there, the final, you look at the FA Cup final in England as well. And this last year has just been brilliant in terms of the support for the women's game, hasn't it, in the stadiums? Oh, definitely, yeah. It's been brilliant. Um, it's, it's actually... Um... It's very moving to see, you know, fans really um, uh, starting. Well, there's a lot of OG fans, as we would say, you know, that have been here fighting for their teams and they deserve all the credit in the world because they believed in women's football when a lot of people didn't. But it's also great, great, great to see, you know, uh, so many people uh, opening their eyes to the astounding quality of women's football because it's always been there. And, uh, you know, to see stadiums fill up and it, it helps that, you know, you have a team like Barcelona or a team that like Real Madrid, you know, because those teams always attract more fans for, you know, for the name of the club, uh, legacy fans, basically. And um, so it's so, so good. But I hope, I really, really hope that these fans that, you know, filled up the Camp no with 90-odd million, uh, million <laughs> thousand people, uh, you know, I hope they're there for their team now that they have lost because women's football fans cannot be winners fans only. You know, they have to be there for their teams, uh, you know, through the ups and downs. So I think that's some that's like the next step on on this path. And finally, I know it's I know it's too early to look ahead to next season, but do you think it'll be these two teams in the final or maybe Wolfsburg or maybe even you've got Chelsea and Arsenal to throw in there as well next year? Um, Wolfsburg, um, Bayern even, Lyon, Barcelona, yeah, definitely. Chelsea, yes, I, I wouldn't put Arsenal in the same um, rung of the ladder, to be honest, because um, they're, they're, they're a strange team. They're very Arsenal. It's a very... Uh, uh, I don't know, the, like the word to describe it, but they're very 
arsenal. <laughs> That's the only way I know to describe it. Uh, but um, sui generis, you know. Um, so yeah, Chelsea, Wolfsburg, uh, Barcelona, even Real Madrid are growing. Uh, Atletico Madrid are growing as well. Well, they had a bad year, but you know, those all those teams, all those clubs that keep investing in their women's teams, um, they're really. I think women's football is bound to become again more of like more than a, a couple teams game, you know. Uh, and as much as I want a Lyon-Barcelona rivalry, I also want, you know, all the other teams to put up more of a fight. Um, not that they are not. I mean, Wolfsburg could have, uh, you know, knocked Barcelona out had they been a little bit more lucky, for example, or even Real Madrid. But um, I think it's very important. Or the, uh, Juventus could have done the same to, to Lyon. But yeah, it's, it's important to have more teams at a high level in the later stages of the Champions League. Um, so yeah, even the English teams like Chelsea, I think Chelsea are out of the English teams, they're like the only ones who are really at that level due to the players they have. I mean, you can't have players like Harder, Sam Kerr, uh, Fran Kirby, and not um, aim for the highest. So, Inesh, you're a big fan of the NWSL over in North America, and the season has started there now. And for the first time since 2014, it means that teams will play each other twice. So it's nice to have a bit of structure for once, isn't it? Um, I mean, it is good, definitely, because teams can plan around it. And, uh, you know, because there are going to be some, some games that you have to you know not give more than others but you know you have to plan your season accordingly you know to be to be in the right form at the end of the season for example when you know you're you're playing for a spot in the playoffs and then you're playing the playoffs so it's good to have that you know that that set settled schedule to well to plan around and um also you know for players i think it's a lot more comfortable to know what they're counting with even vacations and etc. Uh, so it's really good. Although I, I wouldn't know anything about it because in Portugal everything is, you know, uh, scheduled like a week to go. The games, the actual games. So games on Saturday are scheduled like on Monday. Having a settled schedule is definitely very positive for teams and players alike and managers to, you know, to be able to really like manage the, the team, the, the workload, and uh, the, everything that goes around. And I suppose playing twice as well means that fans can plan when to go to games and also see their favourite players at least once a season. So I'm guessing that's why the planning for this is so important. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, having to travel across a country to see a player and you know, knowing that it's going to be on that day, on that hour, uh, you know, it, it's much easier than having to, you know, book trips and etc. Mm. just like a week in advance. So, yeah, definitely for the fans, especially. I re actually remember all the memes <laughs> around mm. the schedule. So, um, no, but it's good. It's good. And uh, even foreigner, like foreign fans, you know, yeah. being able to, okay, I want to go to America to watch this game, like the rain against uh, Gotham. 
you can play, you can plan that. And there's been plenty of changes on the managerial front as well. Only Jamie Clarkson at Houston Dash remains, which is pretty remarkable, really. But there are a couple of familiar faces who have joined the league, isn't there? Speaking of familiar faces, um, there's one coach I really, really like. I'm a fan of Casey Tony's. <laughs> like, I remember her from Manchester United. And, uh, like, I really, really like the way she sets up her team. Uh, so I think San Diego were definitely right to hire her, especially because she's used to this, you know, building a team from scratch process. Uh, because she, well, she didn't do it with, with United, but she, you know, she got them up the league and etc. cetera. So you know, she's used to that. And uh, mm-hmm. she's also a great leader, which is something a lot of the players say about her. So I think she's really like the right woman to, well, the right person to, to lead this project. Um, there's also like, there's, there's also like some wild cards, Rian Wilkinson uh, for the Thorns. Um, she's in terms of like, not that much prior experience. So you can really like map out how, you know, her style, uh, how she plays, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I she seems to be doing a good job so far, but with, you know, the Challenge Cup and a nice position in the NWSL table, but um, she, she'll always be, well, like I said, a bit of, bit of a wild card. Uh, so we'll have to wait to really see how good a job she's, she's, she's doing. And it's funny that you mentioned there about Casey Stoney building a team from scratch because we've got a brand new team in the league this year, Angel City, of course, with their celebrity bat lineup, the likes of Natalie Portman and Serena Williams are involved. And they've signed Kristen Press as their big sort of marquee signing. What have you made of him so far? I think Angel City has been very much more than just a football club from the get-go. You know, it, it's it's a bit of a social statement as well. You know, uh, like it's it's a whole experience and institution in that way. Uh, also, the way they interact with the fans, you know, in Spanish as well as English. Uh, so there was always going to be a big buzz around it because of all the names that invested in the team and what they set out to do from the beginning. So, um, and getting Kristen Press and giving her the biggest contract in the league was very much also a statement, you know? They're like, we're not just here to be popular, to be, you know, media friendly, we're here to win. And uh, I think Kristen Press has really grown into that leadership role, you know, being the most uh, popular, but also like uh, maybe the best player of the team. And she's she's really doing a good job, in my opinion. Of course, I mean, we can't really judge you. We're talking about the, the table. Like, just like last year, Orlando Pride are, like, sort of overperforming in the very beginning. And then they, it just fizzled out last year. So it might happen again. A lot can happen. And especially with, you know, home and away games. Mm. Uh, a lot can change from now till, you know, till the playoffs. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, Angel City are, there was a lot of buzz at the, at the beginning, like, oh, in preseason, they're not playing well and they're losing games, but it's like, it's preseason. That's when you have to rack up the losses and, you know, uh, lose games and get experience. I mean, not lose, you don't have to lose games, but, you know, 
that's the ideal time for that. And of course, you got the Portland Thorns. We mentioned them earlier with their brand new manager and they won the Challenge Cup and are the Bucky's favourites. But they also have lost some key players. But on the flip side, they've also brought in some good talent as well in the likes of Janine Becky. But do you think the turnover will affect them? Uh, I think uh, they might struggle a bit more in midfield than in other areas because, you know, they, they lost Lindsay Horan and Angela Salem. Um, you know, she retired. So those were two key players for them in midfield. But um, I think they've also got some really good talent, like Janine Becky, like you said, uh, who is a player I like a lot. And she's really evolved in the last like couple of years. I think her decision-making nowadays is a lot better than it was before. Uh, but she's always, she's always had the talent, you know, the, the raw talent uh you know as a winger um so she's really growing into a, the player that she you know she she could be you know and i think and, and with the thorns having a more prominent role that can help her because in city there was always like there was chloe kelly and lauren he lauren hemp and, um, you know, even Haley Razzo, all those names ahead of her that didn't really let her grow as much as she could have. And with Thorns, I think she's going to really grow into her own and uh, become, you know, a leader for that team or one of the leaders. Uh, so I think, and of course, with um, Rian Wilkinson, who's also a wild card, like we mentioned. Um, so yeah, I think they're very much they're doing well so far and they've actually got I was actually looking at like the goals the goal difference they are the team one of the teams that has scored the most goals and mm -hmm. uh, have only conceded one so that really shows you know for now a solid work you know in defense and uh, but also an ability to go forward and get those goals in so I think they're going to I don't know why they're the favorites for the bookies because we haven't seen that much of them and they've changed quite a bit, but I think they're going to be a nice surprise probably. Now, as we know, you are Portuguese and they have been parachuted into this summer's Euro starting in a few weeks. Uh, that's because of Russia's expulsion. How do you think they'll do? Are you excited? I'm excited. Um, it was, I, I wouldn't say it was deserved because if you lose, if you fail to qualify, then you don't deserve to be there. But at the same time, um, we really fought for that. And it's good to, you know, see the players get that prize and the fans and, you know, the growth that we've had in the last years, which hasn't been as exponential as pe some people say. It hasn't been as great as some people say, but there has been some growth. And um, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to, I mean, the preparations, um, our head coach said, and I think he was right, our preparation was the Algarve Cup because, you know, this was so unexpected that uh, we didn't really have time to plan around it. Although I think it could have been planned around a li little bit better, you know, starting in February when Russia started uh, being, you know, kicked out of all the competitions, maybe some people should have said, okay, so there's a possibility that this will happen. Let's plan for this, even if it all goes, you know, out the window later. So um, 
but yeah, but but it was good preparation with Sweden and um, with Norway because we're actually going to play Sweden, if I'm not mistaken, in the Euros. So I mean, we've played some strong teams. Uh, so that's right now. That's as well prepared as we're gonna as we're gonna be. And as for the performance, the actual performance in the Euros, I do not expect a lot better than you know. I don't expect to get past the group phase to be very honest because um yeah the, our group is is not easy <laughs> yeah. uh but um i i think it's um i think it's all portugal is in that weird position where you know they're not expected to overperform because they were not expected to be there in the first place but also we've seen what what they did in the Algarve Cup, where they put up a fight against some really good teams. So, you know, it's like, on the one hand, no preparation. On the other hand, we can actually do some damage. So I think dreaming about a third place would be quite positive, but mm -hmm. um, it won't be too unexpected or too disappointing if we end up last in the group. That was the National League Championship playoff final today at Edgeley Park in Stockport. I was fortunate to go along to it. And it was the winners of the North Wolves against the winners of the South Southampton. Southampton were favourites going into the game. And it was a really, really good game. Great atmosphere. Now, it said there was around 1,300 fans there. The majority from Southampton. It felt like there was a lot more and sounded like there were a lot more there as well. Southampton started the brighter though, although Wolves did come into it towards the midway of the first half. Amber Hughes and Jade Cross were causing problems as were Marie Gauntlet up front. Sophia Faro was always a threat as well for Southampton. She was showing some lovely touches up front and it was her who got the breakthrough. She got onto a through ball, went round Wolves goalkeeper Sean Turner and slotted it into a empty net. After that, Southampton could have had a second. Lucia Kendall firing over after Turner had saved a free kick. Kelly Darby was sent off for two yellow cards. And it looked like Southampton might well cruise to a victory, but second half, they didn't really get going Southampton and Wolves really came into the game and it had a couple of decent chances. The best one right at the end in stoppage time when Tammy George got onto a cross, but she blasted it over. Southampton managed to hold on. And after the game, I spoke to the player of the match and their winning goal scorer, Sophia Faro, and also the jubilant manager, Marianne Spacey-Kale. Vital first goal, you took it really well as well, didn't you? Really calm in front of goal. Yeah, I just, like I said, the ball come to me and saw the goalkeeper, so I took it rounder, but yeah, quite close at the end, but it was good. I was going to say, how nervous were you? Was it quite tough playing against 10 players, isn't it? And did you feel you should have killed it off earlier, maybe? Yeah, I, feel, I felt like we should have, but second half, credit to Wolves coming out. Like They've had a bit of a setback of 10 players, but they come out and put a shift in and Obviously, our defenders and our team, we, we kept that we kept the goal out, so we done well. And how does it feel to get played a match in a final like this? Yeah, I, it's amazing, but credit to the whole team. Everyone put a great shift in today, and it's, it, this goes to a, this is a team award at the end of the day. Where does that rank in your career, this, this achievement today? 
it's you know it's fantastic just saying about the, the journey from tier five up to where we are now in the four five years with the pandemic as well so for me i'm just absolutely delighted to be able to to bring this championship football to the club and you know it's certainly about the squad the players and the, the fans and the club and you know i'm just part of a process part of a, a, a well-oiled cog that's working hard to keep these players achieving and believing in what they can achieve well, you've got a good core here already to work with haven't you and then you can add to that now yeah, you know, we just want, you know, you want to go into the championship with the best squad you can and we've got so many good players with us and you know, we just want to be we know that we know we we've got a lot of work to do in the next few weeks just to make sure that we're in a good position to hit the ground running when we get into the championship. <laughs> just just a final one for me. I know you mentioned about Wolves and it was such a good side. Do you think it does need to change where the winners from each division go up rather than face a playoff like this? Yeah, you know, and I hope today with the crowd and with the, the you know, the for like Wolves' performance, I hope today could be not just like a great advert for the, the level of football that there is at Tier 3, but it's also about a, maybe a catalyst for change. And I think that's, that's needed because we talk about growing the game and making sure that every player's got an opportunity to be the very best they can. So let's smash the ceiling and make sure that players have that opportunity. And Wolves manager Dan McNamara couldn't be there. He's, he's with the RAF. He's away in a secret location working away at the minute so his assistant Carl Millett took charge of the game and I caught up with him afterwards Do you think the sending off did change the game? Do you think you would have got back into it with 11 players? Someone from uh, within the academy just spoke to me then and said with 11 players I think that doesn't finish 1-0 mm. um, we created with 10 players mm. and don't don't you know, let's not understand how hard that was 10 v 11 against, let's be honest a, like, we know they're a good footballing team a team that are willing to keep the ball, get on the ball uh, move, they move constantly their movement, so of course it's difficult but we still create chances 11 v 11, I've got to stand there and say of course we'd get something from the game 100% look, it's a yellow card isn't it, if, if you're not on a booking it's probably a yellow card but in football we all know that your second yellow card's got to be a real second yellow card do you know what I mean, and, and I've I think for a second yellow card at that moment in the game, you know, just before half time, I think it's very uh, dubious. Foundations are there now to push on, aren't they, as you say, within the club? Oh, 100%. The, the, the club are right into it, right into it, the momentum. Um, look, what a club, I've been around it for, for three years with Macca, um, away from it, but when you get in it for the last few weeks, it's incredible to feel. It, what, what a club, what a city. Um, it's Look, I am sorry to people for not getting it over the line, but that's the hardest thing to do in football, getting it over the line. Um, but yeah, what a club, what a place. And again, we link that to next year about how, how do we grow back. But again, you'll be, you'll be able to attract people to Wolverhampton Wanderers, no problem at all. So congratulations to Southampton. They're now promoted to the Championship and they look a very decent side. It looks like they'll do okay in that division next season. So I know you're a big fan of Vivian Miedema and it's a case of Miedemore <laughs> now because she signed a new contract to stay at Arsenal after speculation linking her with Barcelona. There's different, I've heard different theories on how long a contract is. Some say it's only a year, some say it's two years, but it's vitally important news this for Arsenal, isn't it? Oh, yes. I mean, she's, in my opinion, she's... Uh, no doubt her best player and it isn't just because i'm a fan of hers um i think she's um people often criticize her oh she's disappeared in big games or whatever but she's also showed up big time for them 
you know, in other occasions. And um, at the end of the day, a, one player does not make a team, but that player can help the team uh, aim higher. And I think that's what Miedema is for Arsenal. And it's vital that they keep her, but it's also vital that they try, you know, they work to surround her with players uh, of the same level or close, you know, and getting Black Stenius, for example, was a step in that direction. Um, it, yeah, but, it, but it's vital that they really, you know, make her believe that Arsenal are trying to compete with the best. Otherwise, you know, sooner or later, she will leave because, I mean, you understand it's like uh, Harry Kane at Tottenham, right? Uh, it's like a, an amazing player will say in a team they love, but for how long without titles, without, you know, trophies to, to show? Because at the end of the day, a player wants to win. And, uh, I'm sure Miedema win like dreams of winning the Champions League. Can Arsenal give give her that, or at least can Arsenal give her a fighting chance? Because that hasn't happened uh, in a long while. So, if they want to keep her more than one or two years, uh, they have to really make that effort to give her what you know, give her what is needed to build a winning team. Excellent. Well. Uh... Inesh, thank you very much for joining thank us. And thank you for the invitation. No, you're welcome. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you during the Euros as well, especially now that Portugal have qualified. Yes, I hope so. Uh, I'm especially excited for the Netherlands Portugal game. Where I'll yeah, get well, to you can see you can see Viv there, can't you? So uh... yeah, exactly, exactly. And Vanderdonk, or um, you know. Uh, I, I'm so sorry for uh, Netherlands fans for butchering your name. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited and I hope to see you there. And this is our last podcast before the Euros and we've got a lot of exciting things coming up for you in the Euros. We are going to be doing some special podcasts. We're going to have really high profile guests, high profile presenters for you as well. And we may even go to the pub for a few of them. To find out more, follow us on our social media channels at TWFP1. It's the Women's Football Podcast and Instagram. And we're also on TikTok as well. So stay tuned to find out what all the fuss is about for the Euros. Until then, thank you very much for listening to us over the season. And we'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs>